All right, everybody, welcome to the Blagrana Show, a Barcelona podcast on FFSN. It's been a couple weeks since I've recorded, I guess two. I Well, just I, I just took a break last week. I was tired. And weirdly enough, while some stuff has happened in Barcelona land, like their one win away from the La Liga title, I am still beyond conflicted about this team, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. The Osasuna win was just the perfect, the perfect culmination, I guess, of what I'm going to remember about this season for Barcelona. Osasuna get a red card, 27th minute. Barcelona proceed to take another 60 minutes of match time to score a goal, and it's basically off of a scuffed Jordi Alba kick. They had 21 shots, and only four of them were on target. 77% of the possession. And what I'm going to remember about this Barcelona season is the strange circumstances of nearly what I'm going to think about, like 90% of their wins. Uh, Of course, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the win against Betis, where another red card happened for the opposing team, and Barcelona actually scored four goals, which is cool. Good for them. But I'm mostly going to remember a season of 1-0 wins where Barcelona have the... Yes, they have the second most goals in the league, but the truly amazing thing is they have only allowed 11 goals in the league. And that is best by 15 goals. Atletico Madrid is allowed 26. The goal differential of 49, which is... 12 higher than Real Madrid, who sits in third place, hilariously. Uh, I'm going to remember this season for the defense. And for whatever reason, despite the fact that a team with Dembele, players the likes of Ferran Torres, Sansi Fati, Rafinha, Robert Lewandowski, like it feels like they can't score goals, even though they have 60 goals in the league. It's felt like those goals have come in bursts, and I feel like I'm figuring out a way to be negative about a team winning the league. This is great. Like, if you had told me, actually, let me phrase it this way. If I had told Barcelona fans at the beginning of the year, here's what the end of the year will look like. You will win La Liga. You will not make it out of the Champions League group stage. You will get knocked out of the Europa League. You will get knocked out of the Copa. Will you take that? I think it's kind of split. I think most fans would take it. But performing so poorly in European competition, I don't know. It makes me feel a type of way about this season. This season was a success. Like, don't get it mixed how I feel about that. This season was very much a success. For Xavi to... And Chavi Ans, I, I should give credit to, you know, Almeni and Jordi Cruyff, who we'll talk about in a minute, uh, for putting together a team that was defensively deep enough to deal with injuries, that despite the fact that, um, you know, Marcus Alonso was playing center back sometimes, <laughs> this team with Balde, who got a chance due to Chavi, I feel like with previous managers, Balde doesn't get a shot. Or a consistent shot. Um, Got to give a lot of credit to Xavi there. 
And the way that Xavi has navigated this season domestically is very impressive. Uh, his his decision making in European matches, specifically the back to back matches against Inter. I'm gonna. Those are gonna be things that we remember in next year's Champions League and in next year's uh, Copa del Rey matches. Uh, hopefully not in next year's Europa League because hopefully Barcelona don't go to the Europa League next year. But that's the thing that next year has to be different for. They don't have to win the league next year. They won it this year. That's great. You know, he can come in second next year. But if you're going to come in second, you have to make the Champions League quarters and probably semis uh, for that type of season to be a success, right? If Barcelona had made it to the quarterfinals of the Champions League and finished second in the league, that's that's still a pretty good year. Um, I think it's how Barcelona have gone out in European competition and, and, and in knockout competition in general this year that are that's leaving a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. Like this season, I'm going to remember it by Barcelona played great domestically and won the league, but in knockout competitions, they looked not confident, tentative, and they weren't set up well by their manager. But they won the league, so that's great. Uh, a chance to win it against Espanyol this weekend with a win is awesome. That is very exciting news. Um, and it's hilarious that Real Madrid have fallen to third place. Uh, that would be awesome if they stayed there. In other Barcelona news, Barcelona are losing their director, Matteo Almeni. Uh, apparently he is going to... Go to Aston Villa, where our old pal Una Emery is uh, doing pretty incredible things. Uh, Aston Villa is sitting in eighth place. They are uh, five points off of fifth place, which is pretty crazy for Europa League qualification. They have enjoyed a ridiculous resurgence under Una Emery. And uh, it seems like Almeni wants to go be part of it. And he's going to try to poach Barcelona players. Of course, you know, he wants Andreas Christensen. Because who wouldn't want Christensen? I mean, he's been ridiculous. Uh, the, the I, I don't know if it's surprising news. Apparently, there's reports that Jordi Cruyff is more out than in was the report. So he might be gone. And the the main questions or concerns, I guess, I have around this are how do you how, how does this impact ongoing negotiations? So, for my American audience, with college football is the first thing that came to mind with this. Uh, I am from Michigan, so I'm I, I'm a Michigan Wolverines football fan. Uh, the University of Michigan, winningest football team in college football history. Anyways, uh, there there's always rumors that the coach of Michigan football is going to you know head to the pros or back to the pros, and when this news occurs during the off season or around the off season, it hurts their ability to recruit or to you know um, try to add new players to the roster in the transfer portal, whatever it might be. Uh, at least it did in years past. This year. It, for whatever reason, has helped Michigan, and now they have the number one recruiting class in 2024. Anyways, my point is, whether it's in you know the NBA, football, American football, 
movements in the front office, not as much as the manager, right? Like if Chavi was rumored, that would probably change things too. But I do wonder how Almany and Cruyff reportedly both, you know, being on the way out impacts the likes of the Ilkay Gundogan talks, uh, Lionel Messi, which we'll talk about in a second. My goodness. Uh, the contract renewals of some of the existing players and really just transfer negotiations altogether. Like when your sporting director and your director of football are gone, that has to, that has to matter somewhat, right? It can't, it can't just be ignored. And so I'm interested to see if some stories come out about uh, how that, you know, influx in leadership and in management will change things and how, just how it impacts Barcelona's transfer outlook overall. Uh, one of the transfer rumors that kind of popped up this week was Wolves offering $30 million plus Ruben Neves for Ansu Fati. I don't know. All Ansu Fati conversations I don't want to be privy to. The thing I really want to talk about today is apparently... The Lionel Messi and Saudi Arabia stuff is heating up. So everyone knows over the last week, Lionel Messi was suspended by PSG for two weeks over an unauthorized trip to Saudi Arabia. Uh, apparently he didn't ask the club for permission. And they suspended him. Okay, cool. So they're just rubbing salt in the wound. Messi's definitely, you know, he was already rumored to be leaving. The question of where was really the only thing remaining. The Saudi Arabia scuttlebutt this week is concerning. Uh, the the dialogue around Messi leaving PSG and not coming back to Barcelona is heating up. So apparently Marco Kermedi, a guy, a FIFA agent who has close ties with the king of Saudi Arabia and the PSG Prez, was quoted this week talking about Messi will not go to Barcelona. He wants to return there, but when he retires, he has an offer of $600 million from Al-Halal, the team of the king, he said. Messi traveled to the country to meet him to see the place he could live. If his family approves, he will play in Saudi Arabia. So this just makes sense. Like Messi <laughs> went to Saudi Arabia on an unauthorized trip. If I had to guess, the way that this transpired is Messi has been giving Barcelona a chance to put together a package. I'm assuming he's been in talks with somebody at Barcelona, or his people have been. The fact that this trip took place makes me think that he's not impressed or not convinced that Barcelona will be able to make the finances work for a return this summer. And here's the thing. I'm, I'm not naive right? Like we know what Ronaldo did. Although Ronaldo didn't really have offers. It's not like he had an offer to return to Real Madrid. Messi could return to Barcelona. The finances would be difficult. He has enough money. I'm not going to sit here and say turning down $600 million when you already have a few hundred million is easy. That's a lot of money. Uh, could he go to Saudi Arabia, play for a year, come back to Barcelona? I don't know. Like, he's going to be another year older. He already looks kind of old sometimes. It's I'm very conflicted about this. Actually, I'm not conflicted about this. I think it's, it, 
for me personally, as a Barcelona and football fan, I don't like it. The same way I felt about Ronaldo. Uh, yes, they're both at different phases of their career, but they can both still be really good in specific circumstances. And the fact that they're both playing in a league that is meaningless and questionable stinks. Like, I'm never going to get to watch him. I'm just going to see stupid Bleacher Report highlights online. And it's going to be frustrating. By the way, that, that wasn't a diss to Bleacher Report. It's just like any football Instagram is just going to have videos of Messi and Ronaldo scoring in a league that literally doesn't matter for the broader context of footballing and uh, European footballing supremacy, I should say. <laughs> it matters to the fans of the Saudi League, so good for them, I guess. Uh, I would be saying the same thing if he came to MLS. It just doesn't it doesn't make sense for the stage of their career. Maybe for Ronaldo, not for Messi. And I really kind of thought him to Messi was kind of, or him to Barcelona was kind of done. I thought they were going to figure out a way to make it work. But it seems like he's going to turn down 20 million for 600. You know, math would tell you that that's a good business decision. Uh I just have to hope his family doesn't let him go. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Let's talk about the Champions League. So next week, we get the Champions League semifinals. And one of the more interesting Champions League semifinal pairings that I can remember in recent years, we get the Milan Derby with Inter and AC. And we get Real Madrid versus Manchester City. So let's talk about, let's talk about the Italian matchup for a second. So domestically, these two teams are separated by two points. They are both battling along with Atalanta and Roma for the fourth spot in the final Champions League qualification spot in Italy. So massive domestic implications because while they're both in the Champions League semifinals, uh, you know, they have a 25% chance of winning. <laughs> if they don't win the Champions League, one of those two teams is missing out from Serie A qualification. So how these two teams balance their rotations this weekend, Inter play Roma. Massive match for Inter. Like Roma are right there behind them. And tomorrow, Milan play Lazio, the second place team in the league. So both of those teams have massive domestic matchups this weekend and then play each other. And it's so fascinating because the week, or they play each other midweek, and then over the weekend, they have more matches. Inter plays Asuolo, Milan plays Spezia, and then they return leg. So it's very interesting how both of these teams are going to rotate for the Inter side, right? Like they have a lot of rotation possibilities, but how they manage Jekko and Lukaku's minutes. It's fascinating. I have absolutely zero feel for this matchup. Based off recent form, I would favor Inter, but it's a derby, and anything can happen. On the Manchester City side of things, uh, they're the hottest team in the world. I don't think it's that close right now. Domestically, um, in European competition, they've looked unbelievable against Bayern, and the chance for the treble is still there. Like they're going to play United in the FA Cup final round. They have overtaken Arsenal after <laughs> dominating them in the last two matches. They have a match in hand against Arsenal. Their matchups in between 
the Champions League matchup with uh, with Real Madrid are Leeds United and Everton in the league. They are the deepest team in Europe. You would like you would have to favor them, and the only thing that stops you from basically like you know betting the house because Real Madrid have looked horrible in the league. Two two no loss to Real Sociedad, four two loss to Girona. They have looked inconsistent. Lost to Villarreal before that. But it's Real Madrid in the Champions League. So, again, both of these semifinal matchups are so fascinating because of, uh, because of the, the unpredictability of them. And you have an unbelievable rivalry on one side. And you have trying to rewrite history of what happened in last year's semifinals on the other side. Like that was a scarring loss for Manchester City. They were up two goals in like the 86th minute. That's that is a tough beat. And this is a different city team. They're deeper, they're stronger up top. And these matchups are going to be ridiculously exciting. We're not going to talk about Jude Bellingham probably going to Real Madrid. We're just going to ignore that and save it for another time. I mean, how stupid is that? They're going to have Chuamani, Camavinga. Fede Valverde, Modric, Kroos, Andrew Bellingham. I thought Barcelona were supposed to have the best midfield. Um, anyways, we can save that for another time. It's depressing. Uh, anyways, at least it's not killing Mbappe. Everyone, enjoy the matchup this weekend. Let's hope Barcelona bring home a La Liga title. It will be an unbelievable success for this team. And I will talk to you next time. Uh, if you are not subscribed to the podcast, by the way, be sure to subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, all the places to get your podcasts. And I will talk to you all next time. Thanks.